like I'm just so excited to be talking to somebody besides my mom. (laughs) 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 Okay. Welcome to State of Murder and another episode for you. Sorry, last week's episode was so late. Yeah, we had definitely some issues just with our uploads, so we are still learning to process. So, I mean, even now we're, I guess this is our 11th episode, but we're still kind of figuring out and learning as we go, which is fine. Yeah, so thanks for sticking with us. We're learning and growing together. Yes, but we appreciate everybody that has listened and continues to listen. So thank you. Yeah. We have fans. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Not just my mom. (laughs) Yeah. Which is what we originally thought. (laughs) Uh, My dad's actually listened to an episode. So yeah, you said that last week that he listened to one and he shared it with some family. Yeah, he did. Are they listening now? I don't know. Probably not. (laughs) but I mean if they are that's awesome but no he I think he's also listened to a couple like parts of other ones too so not whole bits but he's he's trying he can't find it on his own though if like I was like hey bring it up dad or like where on your phone is it he would have no idea (laughs) (laughs) he's learning he was excited today because he got it he took a drive out into the country Oh, just to get out of the house for a little bit. Yeah. So he he had decided that uh, that he was going to end up just dying stuck in the house. <laughs> like he was never ever going to be able to leave ever again and he was going to die in quarantine. <laughs> I mean, that's dramatic, but I also totally understand oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I get excited when we run out of food and I get to go to the grocery store, which has never happened before. (laughs) No, no. Yeah. All right. Did we even say what state we had traveled to? I don't think so. No, we said episode 11, but we are in the state of Montana this week. Yeah. I don't know if there's a, I'm sure that they have a tagline for Montana. Montana. It's the treasure state. Oh, well, that goes along with, I guess, one of my fun facts we can talk about. That makes sense. So I'll tell it in my fun fact at the end. Yeah, Yeah, but I guess Montana has several nicknames, including Big Sky Country. Oh, that's what I think I was thinking of. Big Sky Country. Big Sky Country. Yeah. Yeah. Once we get to those men, I say, I don't really know what their slogan is because it's just, and I don't know, we probably should have been doing this for all the other states because I like states' little slogans or like what they're known for. Like New York's the big apple, Colorado's the Rocky Mountain State. Yeah. I just, I like those things. I do too. No, I I do too. Maybe that, hey, as I said, we are learning as we go, so we can implement it now if we want. Nobody's, I mean, are people going to call, go and yell at us? Maybe, who knows? Uh, (laughs) We're not doing it. But that means they're listening, so it's okay. So, hey, yell at us all you want. (laughs) All right. So do you want to get started with your story this week? Sure. Absolutely. For today's case, I decided that I was going to share two different crimes with everybody. So instead of just one, these crimes were not committed by the same perpetrators, but they do have some things in common. Selena, did you know that in Montana, Native Americans are four times more likely to be the victims of a homicide? 
I did not know that. That's alarming. So indigenous people make up just about 7% of Montana's population, but statistics taken from a span of time from 1999 to 2017, they accounted, so they accounted for 7% of the population, but then they also accounted for 26% of all homicides in Montana. This is according to the CDC, which is of course the Center of Disease Control. So I, they tracked also that kind of violence. I didn't realize that they tracked that as well. Well, I think it's just how people die, I'm guessing. And so I would guess that they track that just like how they track heart disease and strokes and cancer. So I think it's just, I guess you're just like, okay, this is how this many people died. So Hmm. missing and murdered is actually the third leading cause of death in indigenous people. So I think that's as a country, not just in Montana. So I think this this is a definite nationwide epidemic. So we're from wow. California, and I know we have a number of Native American tribes around here. There's, I mean, they're spread out. Nebraska has them, South Dakota, North Dakota. Like, they're, you know, they're, mm-hmm. there's tribes everywhere. And I think this is just an ongoing issue that yeah. we ra- rarely hear about. And they're often really underreported. I also know that this is also, I mean, this is not just an issue in the United States, Canada. I've read some stuff and I've actually listened to a couple of podcasts that cover some Canadian Indigenous and Native American people. And there's a road in Canada that is is kind of like their murder highway. And I feel like I've heard of that too. Yeah. I'm sure you, we listened to a lot of the same podcast. I was going to say, was that, I feel like that might've been a crime junkies episode or something. It could have been. It could have been. So, I mean, this is definitely, it's people are, more people are talking about, about this now. So it's definitely kind of becoming a trend to talk about it, which I think is fantastic. So just uh, like we talked about in our first episode, when we were talking about Marcus Wesson and why that case was pretty underreported on nationally, not necessarily in Fresno. Fresno, it was definitely talked about. Yeah. Uh, it was, it wasn't really more, at least not that I know of. And we were kind of, we kind of discussed that. And so I think that a lot of times with Native American and Indigenous people, that they're not as, I don't know. It's not as yeah. sensationalized because it's not. And we did talk about this with Marcus Weston. Mm-hmm. It's not the pretty blonde or pretty young housewife, middle class generally they're working people or they're on reservations that people don't really pay attention to. Yeah. Yeah. They don't fare that. They don't fit into that desirable to talk about where, which is total bullshit. It is. Definitely socioeconomics play a part in it. There's just so many reasons. And so yeah. So Native Americans just get a little overlooked a lot of times. I'm going to talk today and share about two women who were sadly and tragically murdered. I got uh, most of my information from an article entitled Murder and Missing Native American Women Challenge Police and Courts. And then articles from the, so it's Missoula, Montana, but it's Missoulian, Missoulian, I think, Missoulian newspaper. Uh, That sounds right. So, and then Montana Right Now website. And then there's a website that I recommend everybody go to. It'll be linked on our blog. And it's the website Justice for Native American Women. And as soon as you go onto the website, it's just, you're inundated with pictures 
of all of the murdered and missing women currently in the United States, and there's over 5,600 plus Native American women that are murdered and missing. Oh my God. So that's, yeah, that's a lot. So this definitely needs to be more talked about because if, especially if they're missing so that people know to, you know, look for them. Yeah. To keep an eye out and figure out why these women are being targeted. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you guys today about Lonette Keener and I might call her just so everybody knows I'm going to try to catch myself, but my mom's name is Lynette and and this uh, Native American woman's name is Lonette. So I might say Lynette just because that's what my mouth automatically wants to form, but I'm going to really, really try really hard not to say her name wrong. Lonette Keener, uh, she was from the Blackfeet Nation. She was actually one of three triplets, so she was the first set of triplets born to the Blackfeet Nation, which I think Hmm. is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, So Lonette was a great mother. Her daughter, Nicole Walks Along, shared that she was really full of life. She was very devoted to her family. She had a contagious laugh. Everybody, like, just everybody had all these glowing things to say about her. She had a lot of friends. She lived in the Missoula area for a really long time. She was always there when the kids got home. So I believe that she had three children. And she would always be there when when they got home from school, help them with their homework. She loved reading. So they always would go to the library and check out books. Nicole remembers that her mom was very hardworking. Lynette worked at a Super 8 motel for like 21 years. And people can't remember a time really when she called in sick or missed a shift. She was always there. She was super reliable. The reason that Nicole gave for that is uh, Lynette didn't really want people to have to work harder because she wasn't there. So she always wanted to show up because she didn't want her job to have to be taken over from another employee. As an employee of many jobs, I would, I greatly appreciate that work ethic because I know I've worked in service jobs and when somebody doesn't show up for work and you have to pick up the slack, that's really hard. But her daughter really wanted her to quit the job and her daughter even offered to pay her kind of her salary. So she was still making income and Lynette refused. She was just like, no, I don't want the other girls that I work with to have to do more. And she just continued to work because she was always just thinking of others. According to Lonette's husband, Dave Keener, Christmas was Lonette's favorite time of year. She always would decorate the house. She'd get really excited. And in 2015, that time of year came around and she did all the same things that she always does. So the house was decorated all nice for the season. And on December 21st, Lonette went to work at the Super 8 Motel, like she did most days. She was cleaning one room when Scott Price and Sarah Knight entered the room and demanded that she give them her car keys. That would be terrifying, I think, but so I'm guessing- Yeah, especially because you're in a room by yourself and not expecting to hear anybody and then to hear somebody threatening you. Yeah, so and I also, so I'm picturing just, I think most Super 8 Motels that I've ever been to, are driven by it's like a parking lot and then all the doors are going kind of facing out to the parking lot mm-hmm. so I'm, I don't really picture long hallways inside when it comes to a super eight motel yeah so. not that I can think of or if they are like long hallway they're all facing that parking lot two-story yeah. one story it's all yeah facing that one so I'm guessing like she probably had her cart sitting outside they drove up to the, the motel and saw either 
her go into the motel room. She probably left it cracked open or something so she could mm-hmm. get to her cart. So it was kind of easy for them to get in because they weren't staying at that hotel. They just drove in. So What a that. random place to pick to steal yeah. somebody's car. Let's just stop at this motel. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, okay. Well, and then also like, I don't always keep my car keys on me when I'm working. So she probably, yeah. I don't know if she had, would have her personal items. So just to assume, but yeah, because you'd have to think, like, if she's working, she's not carrying her purse in when she's working, mm-hmm. and her keys mm-hmm. would probably be somewhere locked up in, like, a locker or behind a yeah, desk or something, so you'd have better luck trying to rob somebody coming out of a store or in a restaurant or something where they're carrying their personal items, so they ran a huge risk with that. Yeah, so I don't know how well thought out this plan was. While McKnight went to Lynette's car. So obviously Lynette did have her car keys on her. Price stayed in the hotel room with Lynette where he made her get into the bathtub and then he assaulted and stabbed her multiple times in the neck and then he left her to die and went outside and got in the car with his girlfriend. The police would end up finding Lynette's body that day and it was noted at the time that her car was missing so they had a pretty good guess on like somebody has taken the car. Mm-hmm. So they put an APB out, all points bulletin, um, mm-hmm. for the missing car. She was driving a Chev- red Chevy something or other. Malibu, I don't know, Impala, Malibu, I don't remember, but it a was a red. Door. It was a problem. Yeah, I was thinking it was a four-door sedan of some sort, Chevy sedan. So this would lead the police right to Price and McKnight, who ended up driving straight after they committed the crime. They drove straight to Idaho to a motel in Cordaline. I'm going to say that's how you pronounce that town. Not quite sure. <laughs> but so Cordaline. And they were located the very next day. So it wasn't very long. It did not take a long time to find them. After the arrest, it was found that Price was on the run. So he apparently had killed his landlord the week before. I don't remember how. I want to I. I, I cannot remember if it mentioned how he was killed, if he was stabbed or shot, but either way, so he was on the run and then had only met his girlfriend McKnight three days prior to murdering Lonette. It was a quick love affair, apparently. Um, yeah, they decided to make it legit real quick. Did it say <laughs> why he killed his landlord? Like, was it over rent or the landlord was kicking him out or anything like that? Or he just decided to kill him? I didn't really research this because I didn't want to spend a lot of time on the killers here. I wanted to focus more on the two women. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think it was just, it could have been a rent dispute. I don't know. So, okay. well, we won't he obviously, yeah, he, he was obviously not happy <laughs> with this landlord. No. For some he's reason. obviously an asshole. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know if he necessarily needed a reason. Right before they killed Lynette, so Lynette was killed in the mid-afternoon, then around 12.30 that day, Price and McKnight had actually, as you were talking in a little bit before, and you're like, it'd be a lot easier to like go somewhere where the person's actually by the car that they're trying to hijack. So they actually did try that. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) So they went to a, a grocery store of some kind. I don't know the name of it, but they went, drove up to this grocery store, parked by a lady getting out of her car. They went up to her, stabbed her in the stomach and oh got, God. and then they got into her car, but she was how somehow she was lucky enough to fight them off and get out of the car that they had put her in. 
and a good Samaritan kind of noticed something weird was going on and ended up coming up to her to help her. And so the two took off. And as they were driving away, it doesn't give the woman's name because she did survive the attack. They, she ended up getting pictures of their car that they had driven off in. So the police kind of knew who they were looking for. Yeah. Also, they had a car and decided to steal another car. Okay. Yes. So there is a reason for that. Okay. Sorry. I'm jumping ahead. I know <laughs> no. people are ridiculous. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think I actually was planning on telling, talking about this, but I did read it. So I will share it. They didn't like their car. Cause I don't know if you know, Idaho snows. Well, they didn't like how their car handled in the snow. And so they wanted to get a more reliable car. So they in Idaho a, or in Montana. Am I or in both? Montana. Montana? But they I ran away to Idaho. I didn't know if they were... You're, you're right. You're, you're okay. right. Thank you for correcting me. They're in Montana. Okay. I, I just love Idaho so much. I, I love Either way, much. both of those states get <laughs> snow, right? Yeah, both of those states get snow. It's snowy, not here where we live, but in other places in the United States, it, there's something called snow that happens. <laughs> when it gets way too cold for me to be out. Yeah, when it gets really cold and the water freezes when it comes down. <laughs> Thank you for explaining the water cycle. <laughs> You're welcome. I love. I'm a, I like my weather. So, so yes, in Montana. Thank you for correcting me. <laughs> Wherever we are traveling this country, so they didn't like their car. They wanted something that handled a little bit better. So they had. Into, they wanted to actually kidnap a person, and so they had gotten and they had zip ties and everything ready to do that. But that didn't work out, obviously, with the woman at the grocery store because they guess they just went straight to stabbing. To, yeah, murdering and assaulting? <laughs> My goodness. So they weren't successful. So that, I think, led them to the motel and to murdering Lonette and getting her car. So I'm just going to share just a little bit about Price and McKnight and their background just to kind of get an idea of who they are a little bit. Price, he is actually from Great Falls, Montana, and he has ties with the white supremacists. Of course he does. Yeah, our favorite people, sarcastically. (laughs) So Price has the numbers 14 and 88 tattooed on his neck, so nice and prominent, so you can see them. And I didn't know what 14 represented, so I looked it up. 14 represents to white supremacists the slogan, we must secure the existence of our people and the future for white children. That number speaks a lot, apparently. Is yeah. it like a verse in somewhere or like some I, type of their literature or something? I'm sure. Yeah, it's, I'm sure in their literature. Probably. I don't know if it's Mein Kampf or where the hell I, they get it. It's bullshit, whatever it is. Yeah. And then I did know what the 88 signified. So the 88 signifies Heil Hitler because H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. So they're really like clever with their shit. <laughs> so for someone who's so proud of their white supremacy, they do a lot of things to hide it from people. I know, just with like the 14 and the 88. I love the number eight. <laughs> that really irritates me. That's my lucky number. And I'm like, don't take my number, you assholes. <laughs> Use it for your stupid white supremacy, supremacy crap. bullshit. <laughs> propaganda. It's a wonderful number. If you flip it up on its side, it means infinity. So assholes ruining everything. Yeah. McKnight, his girlfriend, actually has six swastikas. So she wasn't quite as incognito in her tattooing because <laughs> everybody Jesus. knows what that symbol means. What and even she, is the point of having that many? 
who says, you know what? I love this symbol so much. I'm going to put six of them, six yeah. of them yeah. on my body. Even for a normal thing, who's going to go around putting six infinity signs on themselves? Yeah. I don't ridiculous. Know. Yeah. These people are ridiculous. They're dumb. So she also had the 88 tattooed on her. So maybe when the two met the three days prior and apparently it love, was love at first sight, they definitely didn't have to question if they had the same ideals and beliefs because it was all there for everybody to see. Uh, yeah. she, also, she also had the word Aryan tattooed on her left index finger. So she was, okay. she, she kind of identified herself as an Aryan princess. So she's real special. That's so gross. Yeah. She also told when they were arrested that she kind of thought that Price and her were going to be the modern day Bonnie and Clyde. They're ruining a lot of your favorite things. Really? They are. <laughs> the number eight and I do love Bonnie and Clyde so they're just uh also I think when people compare themselves to Bonnie and Clyde they don't really know what happens to Bonnie and Clyde at the end that's because true. spoiler alert they get shot and they die they do they die in their car horrible death yeah getting shot multiple times so it wasn't a pretty picture and what were they doing that was even remotely like Bonnie and Clyde yeah, they weren't stealing anything other than cars in Montana so they could drive <laughs> better in the snow. No, yeah. Not ah. exactly shooting for the stars there with your robbery goals. No, exactly. It, it did come out that they were high on meth most of this time. So, I mean, decision-making probably wasn't. Out. Yeah, exactly. So decision-making probably wasn't their strong suit. Lynette's family was hoping that both Price and McKnight would be charged not only for her murder, but also as a hate crime. However, prosecutors thought this would be hard to get. Price had killed a white man, so his landlord, and then the woman that they stabbed in the grocery store parking lot was also white. So that happened before they killed Lynette. Mm -hmm. Also, apparently Price, yeah, they had been using lots of meth during that time. So they couldn't prove what the motivation was behind it. Was it meth? Was it race? Was it, you know, just acting out in violence? Also, so, too, you'd have to prove that they saw her go into that room and they chose her because she was Native American. Absolutely. I and mean, it's unfortunate. I think they should totally be charged with a hate crime just because they're hateful people in general and anything they do at that point is a hate crime. But... Well, and I'm sure I mean, even if they didn't know who was in there, maybe they would have just kidnapped her, but they saw that she was Native American. I mean, we can't. And they, yeah. And they're like, okay, well, he's. And McKnight did kind of say in her interview that it was he killed her because she was Native American, but then took it back. You know how they, no, that's not what yeah. I meant. So, But that's interesting that they would care if people knew it was a hate crime because they're not going to get. A harsher sentence no. for the hate crime than they would for the murder. They're already going down for the murder. Yeah, that's not going to add anything else to it. So it's interesting. Again, people who love to hate hate to be called out on it, and then when they oh, are, they try to backpedal. No, yeah, you can't have six no, racist on yourself. We're not racist at all. What are you talking about? And it's like he wasn't motivated by that. No, you are racist. You've put it all over your body. There's no denying. Yes. Like, also, you're a piece of shit. Yeah, you're a piece of shit. So Lynette's family really wanted the hate crime label so that they could help with some politics and changing some laws in Montana. And it's just, it gets a lot more, I think, also understanding the reason why. 
they, they yeah. chose to kill her. I'm not, you know, there's, I'm sure a lot played into why they really wanted that. But sadly, a judge deemed that they didn't have enough to prove it. So he took it off the table. Price and McKnight both pled guilty. Price got life with no possibility of parole. And McKnight got life, but with the possibility of parole after 60 years. They have quite some time to think about what they did while they sit in prison. That, so, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I said, you know what sucks though, is they're probably gonna do great in prison with all their white supremacy tattoos with all the other white supremacy people in there. Yeah, and if I've learned anything from San Sons of Anarchy, you have to be affiliated with somebody. <laughs> so yeah. they'll and be that's, with their Aryan Brotherhood people. Yeah, and I think that's always the worst part too. And we talked about it last week, right? Yeah, with your case. Yeah. Right? Where he's thriving in prison, prison. having a grand old time. Yeah. And their victims and their families have to suffer. Suffer. Absolutely. Bullshit. And it's upsetting yeah. to think that they're, he's going to be just fine in prison with all his little Heil Hitler tattoos. Tattoos and, and fitting in. This hardworking super amazing woman had to die for no reason for just doing her job and just being yeah just being at her job victim of and, opportunity yeah and just because she had a car yeah so, so that was the story of Lonette next I'm going to share with you guys I'm going to tell you guys about Hannah Harris Hannah Harris was 21 years old when she disappeared on July 4th 2013 she was from Lame Deer Montana and she was part of the Northern Cheyenne Reservation. Hannah left her home on the night of July 3rd, 2013 to go watch fireworks display. So this was definitely 4th of July, and I think many of us have gone with friends to go um, see fireworks, so very typical of what a 21-year-old would do. Yeah. Her family ended up reporting her missing to the Bureau of Indian Affairs, when she didn't return home to her 10 month old daughter to care for her and her car was actually found on the side of the road with two flat tires. I think that just really, a lot of red flags there. So, yeah. However, due to it being a holiday, so July 4th, the police department was really understaffed and they weren't actually sure if Hannah was missing. Uh, Cause you know how we talked, we've talked about this before, uh, who knows if that's her normal behavior or maybe she just went out to go hang out with friends and you know yeah, excuse and after excuse I don't know um, I go back and forth with that kind of thing because I understand that probably having some sort of waiting period or not fully investigating stuff right away benefits because some people probably do turn up and it's not a big deal so you're not wasting resources on people who aren't really missing mm -hmm. but I mean if the family the family knows her better than anybody and if the family have called the friends she was supposed to be with or if the friends she's supposed to be with don't know where she's at and everybody is like no this is not her at all I feel like that would take priority or that yeah, it's, yeah. it would involve more of a search I don't know and I know it's hard like everyone would probably well, be like that's not like them and then they turn yeah. up but I don't know it's just well, and, the, and leaving the 10 month old daughter okay but also the car. So like if like her car hadn't been found with the two flat tires, I could see, okay, maybe she's out doing something else or hanging with somebody else. She'll be back. But mm -hmm. the fact that her car was abandoned on the side of a road, I would just be concerned that she didn't have two spares, had gone wandering off 
and maybe mm -hmm. something happened. She got lost. Let's like search this area. I'm guessing mm -hmm. Lame Deer, Montana isn't super populated. It's not, it does not sound like that's the biggest city on in Montana. So like yeah. what, what was happening there? Mm -hmm. I, that, I, th that's where I think this differs a little bit and why I would have hoped that the police would have taken it more seriously just because of these things all falling in a line. Not, yeah. that, not that somebody just didn't come home. Also, how often is it that two of your tires go flat randomly on the road like that? I've had a lot of flat tires in my life. I've never had two flat tires at once. Me neither, so, which sounds like someone either messed with it or something happened. So even that alone is suspicious of, okay, there's two flat tires and she didn't stay there. She didn't call anybody. She didn't do something yeah. like set up like those little flashy things that we're supposed to set up when we have an accident, nothing mm -hmm. like that. No. And well, and also like, my thing is, is this was 2013. So this wasn't like a lot of our cases where it was like in the seventies and eighties yeah. and cell phones were readily available. I don't know how great the cell phone service is in Montana, but I mean, yeah, I but you think she... all of that would raise those flags for the yes, cops. Exactly. So it would take a search party four days to locate her body, but by that time, it was because it was summertime and warm, not great for a body left out. It was really decomposed, so they couldn't determine cause of death, although positional asphyxiation couldn't be ruled out, so maybe thinking she had asphyxiated, maybe by the reason, like, her position, I'm not sure, or, and they couldn't determine if she had been sexually assaulted or not. Although her clothes were partially off when they found her. So okay. I would lean towards if I found a body that had their yeah. clothes partially off, what's going on. So you would assume yeah. maybe. But I think it would depend on how the clothes were off. That's though. true. Like, it, it did it look like they were lying to the side or did it look like an animal maybe came maybe take, and took them off took yeah, that's true. or tried to move them? Bite. Yeah. It didn't say. It would take eight months to arrest Garrett Wada and Eugenia Rowland. They had actually been viewed with surveillance video from a lame deer convenience store, which showed Hannah the night of July 3rd. I guess it would have probably been early morning, July 4th, because it was probably, I think, around 1.30 in the morning, leaving the convenience store with them in her car. So we knew who she was with. They did end up very quickly after they found the body interviewing. I think it was on July 7th. It might have been before they found the body. They did interview Roland and Wada about Hannah being missing. And Roland shared that they had been drinking a lot that night and she had blacked out. But when she woke up, she was concerned when Hannah's car was still parked outside, which it doesn't get into this, but wasn't her car found? <laughs> like if I was the investigators, her car wasn't found parked outside their house. No, it was found in a road somewhere, somewhere right? Yeah, with two flat tires. Also, too, if someone passes out, why are you not calling 911 to get them an ambulance? Especially mm -hmm. if they've been drinking that much, you don't know if they have alcohol poisoning. Yeah, so I think they all just were drinking a lot. It actually turned out that Roland had been sleeping that night, and she actually woke up to hearing Hannah screaming that she was being raped by Wada. And so Roland went up to help Hannah, but according to Roland, so this is all her sharing this, so who knows if it's true, mm -hmm. but she said that when she was trying to help Hannah, Hannah ended up hitting her, which made her so mad 
that she and her, it's her husband, Roland and Wada, they're married, mm-hmm. started beating Hannah until she became unconscious. Then they wrapped her body up in a sheet and took her outside. Roland actually, the reason why they finally arrested them eight months later was because Roland confessed all of this to her sister-in-law in January of 2014. So it wasn't really any, uh, like, investigation like they had already interviewed them they might have suspected them but they didn't have enough to maybe go on mm-hmm. for the arrest but how she finally did she know them did she know them at all or was it these are just people she met and was hanging out with did it I, say it did say friends I don't know if they were like great friends or just acquaintances but I think she did know them okay I was like they don't sound like good friends I don't think they no, are. well no <laughs> that is true So Roland actually got 22 years in prison for the murder of Hannah because she pled guilty to second degree murder. Yes, not premeditated. Wada pled guilty to accessory after the fact because he did admit that he had moved the body to the location that she was found. So they wanted it off their property. Mm -hmm. U.S. District Judge Suzanne Waters, who ended up presiding over the case, stated that this case was just, was tragic and said, excessive drinking that seems to occur on Indian reservations results in something bad. And in this case, that something bad was the murder of Hannah. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you just blame this on her drinking? Yeah. Murder, there, there is no excuse for murder. No. Do you know how many times I've drank and I've never once wanted to murder somebody. Do you know how many parties I've been to with hella drunk people? And guess oh. what? They also never murdered anybody. Absolutely. And there is no reason that that is an excuse or that that because you're drinking. Yeah, that she's 21. I mean, 21. I, I had a lot, I had lots to drink. <laughs> and but I went to a too- lot of parties and that, no. And it, it almost sounds like the judge is victim blaming a little bit here, which just yeah. when I was reading that made me so beyond irate. Like, do yeah, bad things then... happen because people drink? Absolutely. People make poor decisions. I'm not saying that that doesn't occur, but that does not excuse. Yeah. That's not a valid defense that, oh, sorry, I was just really drunk and she pissed me off. So I killed yeah. her. No, that doesn't mean anything. But also too, what's the point of saying, oh, there's a lot of drinking on Indian reservations, so this is what happens, implying that they're the only ones who drink. That judge is also an asshole. Yeah, the judge, she, she is an asshole. So I chose to share about Hannah. There was a number of cases, and I'm going to mention just two after I talk about this, but I did choose this case because Hannah's family after this became very active in justice for Native Americans. They worked to get Hannah's Act passed in Montana, which has the Montana Department of Justice establishing a missing persons specialist position, which will help streamline communication among various law enforcement agencies that handle missing persons cases, especially on Montana reservations. That's good and a very good step in the right directions. There was some things that I read that they actually didn't give any funding for this in the budget. So it might have been just to like to put a sticker or, you know, a little Band-Aid on kind mm-hmm. of a problem, but not actually stemming the bleeding at all. It's kind of just to look good. Yeah, they're just like, here, be appeased. Yeah, so we'll take, <laughs> here, we're just going to, we're going to try to make it better, but we're not going to really do anything. But if this position really does happen, I, it would be really amazing because there's a lot of issues when it comes to talking to each other. And even mm-hmm. any police department has 
difficulty sharing with others, like especially across state lines. But when it comes to Native Americans, Indian reservations have their own. So like when the family reported her missing, they reported her to the Indian Bureau because mm-hmm. that's who oversees their crimes, you know, so that, the, I mean, she could have been at any place. So then they might have to talk to the police department, the sheriff's department. It also, because the Indian reservations aren't necessarily Montana, stuff goes to the FBI. So if it's somebody, a crime has been uh, committed against somebody of a Native American reservation, but that person isn't a part of the reservation, let's say a white guy rapes a girl, a Native American on the Native American reservation, that white guy can't be tried in the Indian Bureau of Affairs because it's kind of like almost two different nations. Yeah. <laughs> it's very confusing. So it has to go to the FBI and it has to become a federal yeah. case. So a lot of times they don't actually try or even investigate a lot of the abuse, you know, the victims. So a rape, especially, I think 60% of them, they just kind of were like, no, we're not going to take the case. And wow. that is just beyond ridiculous because think of how underported rape is in America anyway. And so you have even less being reported because you, they know that nothing is going to happen and there's no justice and no reason to even put themselves through that. Yeah. And you're basically telling people that, hey, if you go rape someone who is on a reservation, you're going to get away with it. And mm-hmm. that's bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So there are two other women I just kind of want to mention because there's something weird going on in Montana, in my opinion. There was a girl... There's two, so a lot of, we're talking about missing Native American people. There are two girls, and I'm going to make sure I say their names right, Casera Stops Pretty Places and Selena Not Afraid are two teenage girls that went missing. Their bodies were found, but their cause of death wasn't determined. So with Selena, her friends stopped at a rest area, and she just disappeared, and then a while later, they found her body. And they couldn't oh determine God. her cause of death. And then within a few hours? No, they found her a couple days later. Oh, a uh, couple days. Yeah. And then Casera, also kind of similar. She went missing and then they ended up finding her body outside of somebody's house, kind of on the side of the house. And they couldn't determine her cause of death. And so they still don't know. But I'm like, they're teenage girls. What? So yeah. just something also, to be aware of. How are they not able to determine? cause of death because I've seen some cases where they solve cause of death with very Mm -hmm. little evidence Mm -hmm. I don't know it just seems unlikely that only Mm -hmm. a few days also too depending on when they went missing if it was the winter time all Mm -hmm. of that is intact because it's so cold yeah Selena was in the winter time she actually disappeared after a New Year's Eve party and so definitely sick. snowing in Montana. Probably, or at least cold. Mm-hmm. I didn't really look a lot into Caceres. Selena's was one I was almost going to tell, but I decided not to because I thought, well, she's very important and hopefully there's some justice if something did happen to her. Maybe she did die of natural causes, but there's a Highly number. Unlikely. Yeah, there's a number of teenage Native American girls that are going missing in Montana and no answers. And so they find these two bodies and they can't determine cause of death or if it was natural or a homicide. So mm-hmm. they're not really investigating their murder, like if they were murdered. But yeah, like they're not investigating what happened. Like the cause. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, how many, I mean, I guess it was winter time, but I just, I don't know. It just seems really weird. Like, is there, yeah. like, what's going on up there? 
don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. Well, thank you for sharing that story. And yes, like Amber said in the beginning, we will be posting the link to the website on our blog. Yeah, so you can looking into like the disappearance of a lot of these women. Mm -hmm. If you do, you can kind of go down a rabbit hole just because there's so many and you can just kind of get really frustrated. Yeah. Well, thank you. So my story this week is about Cody Johnson. So June 29th, 2013. So how far all of our cases kind of took place in Montana around this year, right? Because weren't year two both around 2013? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So June 29th, 2013, Cody Johnson and Jordan Graham were married. Wedding photos show funny bridal party pictures and smiles all around. But guests at the wedding would pick up on something wrong. So the two had only been dating about a year when Cody proposed. And they had met at a church event. They were at like a lunch. And friends on both sides were surprised when Jordan said yes. And friends on Cody's side were even more surprised that he proposed in the first place. So friends had almost never seen them kiss, flirt, hold hands, anything related to newly kind of couples. Because, I mean, at a, dating a year, that's still in that honeymoon couple phase, right? Like, you're still getting yeah. to know each other. And maybe- Although, some people just aren't super public. I Like, I'm not super public. I'm not into super public displays of affection. Like, if I'm dating somebody, I'm just not super. I'm, I'm just, in general, not a very touchy-feely person. Uh, except for with my family. So maybe that is, that plays a part. Maybe, but I think if like flirting to me implies more like playful banter and like mm-hmm. talking to each other, like you guys like each other and that okay. didn't seem to be the case. <laughs> okay. So the couple seemed very distant in their relationship. Cody was a nice outgoing guy. He liked to work on cars. He enjoyed going to shoot guns with his friends and he loved making other people smile. He really wanted to help people be happy when they were feeling down. So all around just sounded like a really nice guy. Being an only child, Cody couldn't wait to start a family of his own one day and really did kind of hope for that love relationship where you guys have kids and a family and nice house, whole sort of thing, whole package with this guy. Jordan, on the other hand, was shy and quiet. She went to church and held on to her beliefs, especially one that there should be no sex before marriage. So like I said, the two had met at a church lunch. So she was was a virgin? I would assume. It never really said it, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Okay. So the two seemed to hit it off right away there. And Cody even told his mom during the course of their relationship that one day he wanted to make Jordan his wife. I got a lot of my information from True Crime Daily, which has like, I think it was like a 30 minute YouTube video on it. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed Cody's mom and friends of his and friends of Jordan's and his mom, his family, when they talked about them, they more talked about Cody and what he was like, but they seemed to see a more pleasant side of the relationship, or at least that they were both nice to each other. Whereas the friends who arguably they would hang out with more seemed to be very skeptical. Cody's friend even told him to not propose to her and 
think about what you're doing and really try to talk them out of it before it happened, which to me would send up red flags if any of my friends were like, do not propose to this guy or don't marry this guy. I'd be like, "Mm, let's Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think that takes a lot as a friend as well to be like, I don't think that this is the Mm -hmm. relationship for you. There's something off. I don't know. Like there must have been something really off with this relationship for the dudes and friends to be like, no, no, don't do it. Yeah. Besides maybe giving, I mean, I'm like, if they're really young, maybe being like, dude, don't do it, man. Don't give up your freedoms or something. So they were in their early 20s. They weren't super young. I believe Cody was 24, 25. And... Jordan was like 22. So I think mm-hmm. she was a little younger than he was. But either way, they were still old enough to be at that age where we could be married, you know? Mm-hmm. And at least start thinking about it in more serious ways than just being like, oh, I'm 19 and I'm 21 and let's do this right now. <laughs> so Jordan's maid of honor, Kimberly, noticed some odd behavior after she got engaged. Jordan was happy to plan the wedding and was very involved in picking out colors and flowers and doing all of that, but she didn't really seem interested in the actual marriage. They didn't go too much into detail about this, but it more seemed like that was just a side note, and it was more like, let's focus on planning the wedding. She didn't really seem to care or like be planning for the future or anything like that. She began to ask Kimberly as they got closer to the day of the wedding if they should, if she should even get married at all or if she was making the right decision. And she disclosed to Kimberly that she wasn't really feeling happy like she thought she should be feeling because you should definitely be happy going up into your wedding. Like you shouldn't feel yeah. like it's okay to be stressed, but definitely not feeling right. like you're having doubts. Yeah. I mean, I think even second guessing, I mean, that's a big commitment and I can see second guessing, but I would say like, if you're not happy in that moment and you don't Mm -hmm. like, that sounds like, like if you don't want to even think about the future. So it's just this part. And then the marriage is like, I'm not going to even think about that. That's definitely not a good sign. Yeah. So on the day of the wedding, so she kept going through with it. So on the day with the wedding, many in the bridal party noticed the tension and unhappiness Jordan was feeling. Witnesses at the wedding claimed that she was in tears as she walked down the aisle and reached her groom. So not the typical like, oh, I'm so happy to see you tears, but yeah. it almost sounded like she was very like dread. Yeah. Yeah. Like she dread was tears. very upset to be doing this. Oh. While up there, she rarely made eye contact with her groom and looked down a lot. Still, Jordan said, I do. And they, on the True Crime Daily, they did have a clip kind of of them at the altar. And you could see she's looking down, she's looking to the side. And he's just smiling at her, looking very friendly, very happy. During the reception, Jordan sang a song she had written for this day. So, And when I say she had written it, not that she wrote it, but that she had someone write it. Okay. Um, so she... Like, because you know how you can hire people to yeah, like... Yeah, so she had a songwriter and then she sang the song? Yes. So she sang mm-hmm. the song, which I tried to look for a clip of it and could not find it. I wonder but if song, she liked to sing. Like, was this random? Like, very interesting. Yeah, it really but, didn't okay. give me too much on their background. I really tried to figure out some more background on her because they were very adamant. And as they should, kind of focusing on Cody a little bit. But oh, absolutely. But never really said anything 
too much about her past. So the song that she had written was called You're Mine. And the lyrics included lines like, you help me climb higher and you are my safe place to fall. Which again, don't really sound like the girl who was doubting getting married. Mm -hmm. Things seemed to be okay. But the next day, Kimberly received concerning texts from Jordan claiming that she didn't know if getting married was the right thing to do. Which again... Should not be your reaction the day after your wedding. No, like your like your wedding night and the next day. Like I wonder if things didn't go well in the bedroom or was it like so about something awkward? Like that just did not sound good. No. So over the next week, Kimberly received multiple texts from Jordan claiming that she didn't want to have sex. She was she seemed nervous and was telling Cody that she was on her period to avoid having sex. So remember she was a strict believer that you shouldn't have sex before marriage. So we're assuming it never said otherwise that she had had sex before. Mm-hmm. So this okay. would be her first time. Okay. But she's telling him, I mean, if you're marrying someone, you should trust them enough to tell them that you're nervous about doing something for mm-hmm. the first time. Whether yeah. it's sex or literally anything else, you should yeah. be able to tell them that that's what's going on. So she kept texting Kimberly and letting her know what was going on. So everyone was kind of wondering, okay, well, I mean, are you ever going to have sex? Like, you can only keep the period lie up for seven days and then you're yeah. kind of out of it. You got to come yeah. up with something else then. On July 7th, so Kimberly... And another friend of hers, Hannah, they were kind of encouraging her to talk to him about what was going on. But on July 7th, just eight days after their wedding, Cody had gone missing. Friends and family were concerned when he didn't show up for work, which was very out of character for him. And so Jordan, they would kind of see where Jordan was at and she didn't really seem too concerned. Cody was last seen at a local Dairy Queen with Jordan after church. So I'm assuming that would be a Sunday. And then they noticed very quick after. So the very next day. So again, going back to that missing person thing. And here, this case, there was the evidence of like, okay, he wasn't seen. He didn't show for work. And the police Mm -hmm. are like, okay, we're investigating it. Whereas for your case, they weren't taking it seriously. Like I know there was a holiday in place, but still it's, kind of there seems to be way more evidence of foul play in that other case than this one so jordan says they went home and cody stayed in the garage and when she went out to check on him she saw him get into a black car with washington plates and drive off she told the police that cody had always told her if any friends of his came to visit he would always take them to see glacier national park and glacier national park is this really big national park it's really well known so it's a nice place to drive and to go visit and i forgot to mention the city that we're in because most of our case is going to take place here in this national park so the town that we're in is called cali spell and it's kind of the gateway to this national park so it's a huge deal in this town because the town's relatively small so when asked if her and cody had recently had a fight or kind of just why he would just leave without telling her she told the police that they hadn't fought Family and friends went to the house to see if they could help find Cody. As people began asking Jordan questions, she seems to become more agitated. And these were questions like, do you have access to his login for his bank account? Maybe he used his card or do you know who 
it was that he got in the car with? Do you or know? does the family know, like, does he have friends from Washington? Because that's a t- totally different state. So who are these, this black car in Washington plates? Because I mean, yeah. So does he even know anybody that lives in Washington? Yeah. Are there people we should be calling right now? Yeah. So she was starting to get really agitated. And finally she got so upset that she threw her wedding ring down as she left the room. So everyone was starting to wonder just how much of the story they were getting from Jordan. Yeah. Since she was the only person who saw him that night. So the next day, Jordan claims to have gotten an email from someone named Tony. The email read, and this, she showed this email to her friend, Hannah. And so we're getting this from what Hannah was shown. It said, hello, Jordan. My name is Tony. There's no bother looking for Cody anymore. He's gone. The email goes on to say that Cody fell off a cliff while they were hiking and also claims that the police should call off their search because he's gone now. So Did he fall into a black hole or like some space-time <laughs> continuum? Like his body would still be able to be found. I know. Also, who loses someone on a hike and then just emails, not the police, but the wife. his wife and says, don't bother looking for him anymore. Tell the police to call it off. It's all good. So Jordan <laughs> shared the email with Hannah and Hannah was like, you got to share this. Like, what are you doing? Let's go. Yeah, and, it sounds crazy. And Hannah said that Jordan had basically no reaction, didn't seem concerned. So Hannah actually had to rush her out of the house to get her to the police station so she could share this email. Jordan then decided to organize a search party to find Cody since now, according to Tony, air quotes, they knew he was hiking somewhere in the national park. Yeah. As her and her friends are driving up, they say that she had her hand out of the window, was wearing his sunglasses, acting like nothing was wrong, dancing to music in the car, smiling, and they were also driving his car. Like a day trip to the park. Yeah, not at all like they're going to search for her husband who is missing. Mm, That's concerning. That's very concerning. So all her friends are kind of looking at her like, okay, this is weird. I couldn't even imagine being the friend of that moment because I'd just be like, girl, what the hell's up with you? What? I would immediately be like, okay, you're going to have to let me out of this car now. Yeah, I'm not going with you. (laughs) Preferably at the police station because you're out of your mind. When they got to Glacier National Park, the search party began putting up missing person posters, canvassing different areas that he might have fallen. So they were going on different roads and different paths and looking at different hiking trails to see if they could have found him. And Hannah states that she had to do most of the work since Jordan did almost nothing while she was up there. So again, just total apathy towards this whole situation does not seem to care that her husband is missing. Yeah, and I mean, this kind of goes, like, we can't ever assume how somebody's going to react to the death or the missing of a loved one. So, I mean, shutting down might be a okay response, but it just seems like this has gone too far yeah. of shutting and down. This, this isn't even shutting down. This is just complete denial. Like, you're yeah. just acting like nothing is wrong. Is I mean, and again, maybe some people react this way, but... 
it just seems very suspicious. Yeah. I, and I think we've talked about this before. I shut down in stressful situations like this. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in that car accident where my car flipped over, I just shut down. Like I'm yeah. very calculated and okay, what do we need to do now? And what do we need to do now? And not until absolutely everything has been taken care of. Can I finally just be on my own and let myself feel my feelings? Yeah. But shutting down and just kind of not having it just being like, okay, all right, this is what yeah. we're doing. This is your next step is a lot different than singing in the car and dancing to music and acting like nothing is wrong on your way to go search for your husband who's missing. Yeah. So after that first day, they didn't find any evidence or anything. So they decided to call it a day and come back out the next day. Jordan was driving again that next day. And she, as she was driving up, she was passing multiple trails they hadn't checked yet. And so her friends were like, what are you doing? Why aren't you stopping? We haven't checked these areas yet. And Jordan just kept saying that she knew a spot that she thinks that he's at and that she has a feeling. Mm -hmm. So they arrived at the loop, which is a trail on the famous going to the sun road in Glacier National Park. The loop contains a 300 foot drop over a safety wall because it's called a loop because there's like a hairpin turn around Mm -hmm. there. Okay. So when they got there, Jordan jumped the safety wall and started kind of heading down towards the ravine, shocking everybody that was with her because her friends all stated that it seemed like she knew exactly what she was doing. Like she had maybe done it before, like jumping Mm -hmm. over that safety wall. And they kept thinking, why would Cody have crossed this wall? Like he grew up going to the parks. It seemed like he was around there a lot. It sounded like he was very like outdoor loving. So he would know better than to jump over a safety wall into like this 300 foot cliff. I think just about everybody would know not to jump over a safety wall. Yeah, absolutely. Over a 300 foot you drop. wouldn't get me within 20 feet of that. No. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to stay in the car right here. Yeah. <laughs> Low, okay, five miles an hour around that turn. Yep, yep. So they were questioning that. Why would Cody have done that? Once near the bottom, she was near the bottom because there was a ravine at the bottom of this huge drop. Mm-hmm. So she was closer to the bottom and she could see it. And so she shouted that she found his body. Other people in the search party notified the authorities who were just as shocked as her friends were that she found something right there. So when they asked her how she knew to go down there or even look in this spot, Jordan claims that the Holy Spirit led her here. So remember, she's super into her religion. So the Holy Spirit apparently told her this is where he was. During questioning, so the police automatically start questioning her about this. So during questioning, she also claims that this was a spot he always wanted to see before he died and that it would have been somewhere he would have hiked. When they got down there, Cody's body was in bad shape with injuries to his head and arms, indicating that he fell head first. Family and friends mourned the loss while Jordan was just happy that they could have a funeral. She told Hannah that now that they have a body, the police can just leave everything alone because they can have the funeral and put him to rest. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I'm sure that's how people sure they were like, okay, case closed. We found him. Done. Done. On the day of Cody's funeral... While Jordan sat texting friends and showing no emotion whatsoever, little did she know that the police had actually been building a case against her. Mostly thanks to her maid of, or I keep calling her maid of honor. She's a matron of honor because she's married. Kimberly. 
Kimberly had been letting the police access her text messages with Jordan, showing the hesitation to get married, her nervousness over having sex, and most incriminating, the texts from the night that Cody went missing. So Mm. on the night that Cody went missing, Jordan had sent a text to Kimberly stating that she was going to go with Cody to tell him how unhappy she had been in the eight days of their marriage. She also said, and I quote, but dead serious, if you don't hear from me at all tonight, then something happened. So Jordan, <laughs> yeah. Like that, that, that's from zero to 60 real quick. Yeah, that escalated from just talking to him about something. Yeah. So Jordan claimed that the two had been fighting and that Cody had even held her down and scratched her when she tried to leave. Police also had security footage from the park showing Jordan in the car with Cody as well as pings to her cell to cell phone towers from her cell phone near the park. And they were coming from texts that Jordan was sending after the supposed incident. So after she was mm-hmm. coming out the park on her way down, she's just texting yeah. people like normal. Police even connected the quotes Tony email mm-hmm. to Jordan's stepdad's computer where the account was created. <laughs> oh. Which is like if you're really trying to avoid suspicion, why would you use a computer from someone related to you? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying to commit crimes, but if no. you're going to do them, at least be smarter about it. Yeah. This is dumb, and you totally deserve to be caught for this. Yeah. Don't be texting. Somebody. Don't take your cell phone with you. Like, there's just so many things. So many things. Also, don't marry someone and then kill him eight days later because he wants to have sex with you because he married you. Yeah. Like, yeah. So many. So many errors. So many errors. So many questions on like, what is with her? Yeah. There has to be something else going on with her, obviously. Yeah. There, I mean. Like she sounds personally a sociopath or something. She sounds way off just in her responses. I don't, I don't know. Something is just very off because even pretending why didn't she even think to pretend that sh- there, that she was upset that he was gone? Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. I mean, that's just com- like common how somebody would respond if their husband of very few days was just gone. Yeah. Ugh. A few days after the funeral, police arrested Jordan, and after being shown the evidence against her, she changed her story. For the first time since Cody went missing, she cried and told them that they had argued in the park and that she was scared to be there when Cody said that he could walk this trail with a blindfold on. After Cody refused to listen to her about how dangerous it was to be walking around, she feared that he would fall. And he so he grabbed her by the arm to kind of tell her, like, no, I'm not going to fall. Like, listen to me. And he was getting very upset. So Jordan pushed him off, which caused him to fall. Mm-hmm. Police found a black rag at the crime scene that could have been a blindfold, but that was never founded. It was just a piece of black fabric that was fallen to the side of where they found his body. And again, like they're in a park, so or national park, so there's not like there's cameras in the trees or anything to really know what happened. Mm-hmm. So the police think that if it if the blindfold was connected, she could have used that to lure him to a spot where she was going to push him. Other people who saw Cody that day had mentioned that he was happy and eager to get home because Jordan had a surprise for him. 
but they he never told them what it was so they're thinking maybe this was the ruse of like trying to tell him like yeah we're gonna have sex and then like put the blindfold on and we're gonna go somewhere and then push him off but again we're gonna go have sex <laughs> like what? in the middle of this national forest for the very first time <laughs> i don't know no thank you yeah. <laughs> like, okay but that was also too speculation of maybe okay. how that tied could have tied in. They really just think that they were arguing and she pushed him. And also, and why didn't, didn't she just be him. like, when he fell, just call and be like, an accident happened. We were yeah, hiking, he tripped, whatever, he fell. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Oh yeah. my goodness. I mean, even trying to say that a mountain lion jumped out and took him down <laughs> would be a better story than what she put into play. Yeah. So and that, they don't really know. They're assuming that she just pushed him down there. Maybe course, she yeah. lured him there. Maybe she didn't. They don't know. Jordan was charged with first and second degree murder and lying to investigators, which is very interesting because first degree murder is premeditated and second degree murder isn't. So I was unaware that you could be charged with both of those. But at trial, she entered a plea of not guilty during closing arguments before the jury could reach a verdict. She changed her plea to guilty of second-degree murder in exchange for the two other charges to be dropped and for a 30-year sentence instead of life in prison, which is generally what comes with, or yeah. which could be the potential sentence for second-degree murder. Okay. But that basically eliminates like the death penalty, which Montana has, for first-degree murder. So on March 27, 2014, Jordan was sentenced to 30 years in prison without the possibility of parole. Her release date is scheduled for November 10th, 2039, and she is currently in Aliceville, Alabama's Correctional Institution because since the crime took place in a national park, it is a federal case. So she had to go to a federal correctional institution. So she went from the north to the south. Yeah. (laughs) Flea change in area. I don't know where all the federal prisons are or like for women. Too, yeah, you would think one would be closer than that. You would think, but who knows but the also, rhyme or reason. Yeah. Also, I don't really care that she has to be so far away from home. Because... Oh, no. My my thing, I think the thing that gets me the most is that, like, she finally cried when she got, when she got in trouble. So, like, all of but a she sudden. She didn't care. Yeah, all of a sudden him. she was like, oh, no, <laughs> cry, 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 and whatever. Like, we got into this, yeah. Like, no. Yeah. And also, too, I don't, and this is the case when people who kill spouses or partners, why do you have to kill them? Why can't you just leave? Get a divorce, get an annulment, hell, just you disappear, whatever you want to do. Why can't that be the option versus Mm -hmm. murder? Because I get it. Like if someone's abusing you and you kill them in self-defense, fine, whatever. That's. Yeah, a whole separate issue because you can't leave in that situation or someone's threatening you. But in this sort of situation, eight days at that point, there were so many chances for her to say no, so many Mm -hmm. chances for her to to say, no, we can't get married. And it just sucks. And it was hard to hear Cody's friends talk about how much they missed him and to hear his mom be really sad about it. And, And I mean, that was her son, her only son, her only child. Is yeah. that gone? For what? Because yeah. some chick didn't want to have sex? Cool. Yeah. That's your thing. There's no, you can- there, 
There was no was, reason for it to escalate how it did. Like, I just don't understand. It's like, yeah, there was no evidence that he no was forcing sense. her to do anything or demanding that they have sex or anything yeah. like that. It was just, yeah. and, and she didn't even really disclose that. I think in a text message, she had mentioned he was trying to make her do things that she didn't want to do. But outside of her saying that, there was no evidence that he was trying to force her to yeah. do anything she wasn't ready for. Also, too, you guys probably should have had this conversation. Yeah. I wonder if they had any premarital counseling. My dad always did premarital counseling for everybody he married. It doesn't sound like she had any type of counseling because no. she definitely sounds like she's got some mental health issues that are underlying. Absolutely. Because that's, I mean, this nice guy married you and was happy, just wanted a perfect family, like a nice house and a wife mm -hmm. with kids. I mean, really, like, almost the standard, like, standardized American dream. Yeah, and you basically lied to him and conned him into this. Yeah. And it sucks. Because then, too, you have to think that their friends probably ha have guilt over it, too. Oh, absolutely. do more to stop her or to stop him. And, and that's terrible that they have to live with that, that they yeah. let this person into their lives and into their friend's life. And now what? Mm -hmm. Now she gets to sit in a prison for 30 years and he's gone. And he's gone and everybody's, yeah, probably always doing that second guessing. What if I would have done this? What if I would have said that? Mm -hmm. They can't really put that on them because like nobody would anticipate it going the direction it went. Yeah. Cause what? Yeah. That's insane. Well, well, thank you for sharing the story of quote Cody. I'm just... Yeah. All right. So now it's time for our super fun state facts. And cities. <laughs> All right. You ever so notice I always lean when I do that? You do. That's okay. I do my shoulders. So yeah, you do like a, the, like a little chicka chicka chicka. Yep. We have a dance to it. We do. Nobody. We have a little dance. Yes, no, but that nobody can see, but now you can picture us doing it. Yeah. So, so hopefully, if you have a dance to our little jingle, please share it with us. Post it. No. Yeah, post yeah, it. Post it. Uh, like on our, send it to us on our, either our Instagram or Facebook and we'll share it yeah. to the, we'll share it with the um, community, our SOMers. Yeah. All right. So do we want to start with city facts or state facts? You want me to start with my city? Sure. Okay. So I'm going to share two city facts because we talked about it being one of the gem or whatever we said. Treasure state. The treasure oh, yeah, the state. Tre the treasure state. So it's the treasure state. So the world's largest gold nugget was mined in near Missoula, Montana. So that's interesting. And the Atlantic Cable Quartz Load, where they found a gold nugget and it was sold for near for nineteen thousand dollars near the night end of the nineteenth century. So that was the eighteen hundreds. Wow. So Lord only knows how much it would have been worth now. It doesn't say, but and it doesn't say how big. I wish I would have said how big. That fact yeah. is terrible. <laughs> Information. Give me more. Facty enough fact. No, but that is interesting. Kind of makes you want to. My dad's a gold, loves to gold pan, so <laughs> kind of makes you want to go to that area. Yeah. So then the go. other thing that go to Montana. Yeah, I love Montana. Oh, we're gonna share why in a second as well. So <laughs> it is. It was home. So Missoula is the home place of the first woman ever elected to Congress. So her name is Jeanette Rankin, and she was elected to Congress in 1916. 
shout out. We love our, our yeah. women here. So way to go, way to be a pioneer for women and movement. Definitely. Thank you, Jeanette Rankin. And hopefully awesome. we continue in the direction of having a lot more women in Congress. Yeah. Do so you want to share your city fact? All right. So my city fact, I decided to focus more on the Glacier National Park since that's where the case took place. The Going to the Sun Road that I mentioned earlier in Glacier National Park is actually shown in the opening credits of Stanley, Kubrick, Stanley Kubrick's 1980 film, The Shining. So if any of you have watched that as the family is driving up to the, ho the Overlook Hotel, which is supposed to be in Colorado, they filmed the sequence where the family, the Torrances are driving up in their car and the music turns really eerie as the car is driving through the what's supposed to be the Rockies or that area. And it's actually Montana yeah. on the going to the sun road. So oh. that is in the shining. It's also briefly seen in Forrest Gump, apparently the background shots of Forrest Gump are in some scenes when he's reminiscing about with Jenny, he oh, there, okay. it's also seen in the background, but I like the shining. I love Stephen King. So I can I totally picture that opening scene. Although a lot of times I picture it because the Simpsons did a spoof of it. Oh. And so like I picture the Simpsons dressing up, but I've also seen the shining. The shining. I haven't read the book yet. It's next once oh, I finish the dark That's surprising because you want, you read, you love Stephen King. I do, but I'm trying to finish the Dark Tower series, which has a lot of connections all around. And I haven't yeah. read The Shining because it's not one of the super mainly connected ones. I think there's yeah. a brief connection. So I'm getting to those books later. But I have this week's state fact. Montana has the Museum of the Rockies, which is home to the largest collections of dinosaur fossils in the world and or one of the largest in the world and the largest in the United States and the museum is also home to one of the world's largest tyrannosaurus skulls narrowly surpassing the skulls from Sioux which is in Chicago Fields Museum and they are in addition to having the large one of the world's largest skulls it is also home to 13 tyrannosaurus rex specimens including one of only two complete sets that have ever been found so a lot of dinosaurs in this museum they have a lot of they have a lot of other exhibits but this is kind of one of the things that they're really known for is the their paleontology section with all of the dinosaur bones because they have a lot of uh complete ones there that's cool mm -hmm. and also I've, the suit oh go ahead i was gonna say i've been to the Chicago Museum, so I've seen the T-Rex there. I've seen Sue. Yeah, so now it looks like you got to go to Montana and see the one who's just a little bit bigger than Sue. I guess I have to. Yeah. I and in turn, yeah. I don't have a problem and, with doing that. There you go. It seems like a cool museum to check out. Yeah. Even too, like one of the curators who was the lead scientist involved in one of the studies or one of the discoveries of a T-Rex with soft tissue in the bone um, that, that was at the museum. He actually served as an advisor in the Jurassic Park films. Oh. So can we, can we clone dinosaurs from that soft tissue instead of getting blood from a mosquito and that's been frozen in amber? 
probably seems more likely, but also there were a lot of movies telling us why that was a bad idea. That's true. so I feel like people (laughs) shouldn't do that. Especially because that's just not what we need in Right now, in 2020. Can you imagine? We have murder hornets. Literally how this year has gone, it's almost that it wouldn't surprise me if all of a sudden a T-Rex is just walking down the street. I'd be like, yeah, that's about right. Yep, par for the course. All we're missing is some zombies maybe one month, and then Mm -hmm. we'll get some dinosaurs. Maybe California will finally get its big earthquake. Who knows? There was an earthquake last night. Did you feel it? That's what I hear. No, I did not. I had friends that felt it. It was about 4.30, I think, this morning. I did not feel it either. I was sleeping. Yeah. Well, props to you for getting used to an earthquake so you didn't feel it. Oh, I know. I know. Thank goodness I was asleep because I probably would have felt it if I wasn't asleep. You would have panicked. We've already talked about how earthquakes freak me out. (laughs) (laughs) I would not be calm in that situation. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Waking everybody up in the Get up, get up, the world's moving. Anybody else feel that shaking? <laughs> Where's the earthquake shelter? <laughs> yeah, I can't hide under my house. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. But no, I didn't feel Too, it. in an but... earthquake, you probably shouldn't hide under a house. No, no, do I not do that. Not. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Just stand yeah, running around, turning around in circles like I did the last time. No. Standing and going, ooh. I think they recommend... Like, well, we don't get super huge ones, but I think they recommend like doorways. Yeah. Stay structure and or um, under table. If there's stuff falling, I mean, getting under a heavy table or something just, that's very. I remember when, when I lived in, when I was growing up in Seattle, we had earthquake drills when I was little and mm-hmm. like hiding under our desks. And I always was like, what is this little chair with a little thing going to do? <laughs> Like, don't, that's bullshit. That, there's no way one of those table chairs that had the little table bolted onto it, climbing that under that, it's gonna do jack if the skull falls on top of me. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, absolutely yeah. not. That was a I lie. I doing those too. Oh, and whatever. yeah, I was like, what is this gonna do? Cheapy ass little table It's gonna save my life. It's just going to be something else that's going to risk impaling me when things start falling exactly. down. Exactly. So there you go. There's your earthquake safety tips. Earthquake uh, safety. State of murder. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> from, from the experts from state yeah. of murder. Well, state <gasps> of murder told me to do this. Yeah, please don't listen don't to ever listen Please to look us. up official guidelines <laughs> for how to behave in an earthquake if you are in an earthquake prone. Don't, Again, like we mentioned the last time, please make sure that if you are in a place that has natural disasters, that you look, look up the proper yeah. procedures for those disasters, whether you're in Florida with the hurricanes, or I'm sure the northern states with snowstorms, or California with its earthquakes, the Midwest with their tornadoes. You gotta, I don't think, I think that's all the natural disasters, right? Today, just about covering well, tsunamis. Tsunamis and hurricanes, I thought, were the same. Oh no, tsunami. Tsunami is a big wave. Yeah, there was something have- that's the same thing. Her- cyclones. Like, cyclone. No, no. no. typhoons. Typhoons. No. no. Typhoons. Yeah. The same thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was like, there's something where there's two words, but flooding. it's depending on where you're at. Flooding. Or flooding. Yeah. There you go. 
But flooding that's, happens kind of anywhere it's rainy. It, so whatever your natural disaster of choice, yeah. please research how to stay yeah. safe during that. And, and really don't ever listen to us about anything. <laughs> no, we are Except for our wonderful it. taste in TV and movies and music. Yes, we will never steer you wrong there. We'll never steer you wrong on that. Yes, but didn't you have a fact about Brad Pitt? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Was okay. Not- yeah, you forgot so, that one because yeah. you told okay. everyone on last week's podcast that you would oh, share yes. what your favorite okay. movie is. So last week for in Wyoming, when we were talking about what state we were headed to, I mentioned that my favorite movie takes place in Montana, and I realized actually two of my favorite movies take place in Montana, and they both star the most wonderful, beautiful man on the planet, Brad Pitt. So he's. <laughs> my the love of my life I don't have any other so I love Brad Pitt and he starred in two movies that both take place in Montana the first one actually took place in Missoula and it's called A River Runs Through It and it's a beautiful very long slow moving movie so if you like action don't watch it but you learn a lot about fly fishing and the scenery is beautiful and it's about brotherly love and family and it takes place in the 19 like the 1920s well it starts probably about the 1900s and then to the 1920s 1930s all the so, things i love history and fly I know. fishing yeah yeah, that's that's right on your list to watch <laughs> so my second favorite and this is actually my all-time favorite movie and you can probably press play at the beginning and I probably could quote the movie from beginning to end it is also a very long slow movie <laughs> also historical it's called Legends of the Fall and it stars Brad Pitt and a wonderful Anthony Hopkins so, and Aiden Quinn. So a lot of really good stars, but Brad Pitt's performance, in my opinion, should have won him an Oscar and it's a bullshit that it didn't. But- Who won the Oscar that year? I don't freaking know. Who cares? Oh. It wasn't Brad Pitt. Well, I didn't know if he was nominated and lost to somebody. I don't know if he was nominated for that. I don't- oh. So I have a like just a love. My In high school, my best friend Jenny and I, I think we watch Legends of the Fall. If- maybe three four times a week <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i mean oh. you do see brad pitt pretty much naked <laughs> <laughs> talk about sex yes please so, oh my god but i think i think if, if i'm gonna watch breaking bad which is a lot of seasons and a lot of time on my part you that can is. put the two and a half hours in that it takes to watch legends of the fall all right. When you watch Breaking Bad, I'll watch that. Okay. Oh. And Even the music's though... also wonderful. It was composed by James Horner. He is my ultimate favorite composer. Wow. He also, compo- he also did Titanic, if you want to know composers. Oh. and who. So he also composed the music for Titanic. But nice. Legends of the Fall is where it's at. So, All right. There you go. so I've always loved Montana because of that. On the Brad Pitt never steers you wrong. I don't care what it is, because that's some beautiful eye candy. That's like Idris Elba. He could be in the worst movie ever, but as long as I get a stare at him, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. But Idris Elba also wasn't in World War Z. Brad Pitt was. He was. Yes, I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) You watched it. (laughs) I don't think you understand my love of Brad Pitt. No, I mean I do, but. (laughs) 
I have uh, um, every, so when I was in high school and even through college, I went to every Brad Pitt movie opening night and I still have the ticket stubs. <laughs> my hallway and my dorm room was completely covered with Legends of the Falls posters <laughs> when you would walk <laughs> up to my door. <laughs> there was like 10 Legends of the Fall posters, him laying in the same poster. Oh no, there were different scenes. There were that many different posters? Yeah, I don't think you, I don't, I mean, I don't think Legends of the Fall was a super popular movie. I think just the posters were super popular because it was Brad Pitt and his beautifulness. Uh, That makes sense. Oh man, back then. (laughs) My mom said that he kind of looked too feminine and I was like, I don't know what you talk about, woman. (laughs) I've never thought Brad Pitt was overly attractive. I just don't think he's. Well, you watch Legends of the Fall, and then you tell me he's not attractive. You'll be like, oh, man. He's not really my type. I mean, I'm sure he could be an attractive man, just not Mm -hmm. my type. Shame. He's my type. Yes, please. (laughs) I also love, you know who else? Because I love Charlie Hunnam from Sons of Anarchy, and he has a very similar look. He does. Also not my type. Brad Pitt and Legends of the Fall. (laughs) I do have a type. I didn't think I did. I do. Yep. No, you do. You do. I've, I've, look at all of this, like, total, like, just clarification and realizing, realization in my life of nobody's ever lived up to that beautiful man. Yeah. So if you look kind of like Brad Pitt or Charlie, <laughs> how do you pronounce his last name? Hunnaman? Hunnam. Hunnam. Then uh, go ahead and email Amber at stayandmurderpodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> at with a photo <laughs> Brad Pitt if you're listening <laughs> Brad Pitt if you're listening he's single now right yeah although I heard the rumors that he's back with Jennifer Aniston I don't want to break that up I don't want to be hated like Angelina Jolie <laughs> oh, <sighs> getting right, well, to the point you. of silly yeah. <laughs> well thank you guys for listening to another episode of State of Murder Make sure that you like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at SOM Podcast to stay up to date whenever we post things. Also, if you have any corrections or cases you want us to look at for states we have coming up or just want to say hi and let us know how you're liking the podcast, email us at stateofmurderpodcast at gmail.com. Also, please, if you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook and all the places you can leave us reviews because that helps other people find our podcast as well. And did I miss anything? Next week. We are traveling to North Dakota. Into the Dakotas. Is North Dakota or South Dakota the one with Rushmore? South Dakota. Damn it. So North Dakota, I know almost nothing about besides Fargo. (laughs) That takes place in North Dakota. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it does. So there we go. We can talk about some fun Fargo facts next week. There you go. Maybe that's what we'll have next week. If you know anything interesting about North Dakota that you want us to talk about in fun facts, then uh, let us know. I think the capital is Bismarck. I think, yeah. (laughs) Or you knew more about North Dakota than I did. I knew a Dakota had Mount Rushmore. That was it. And it's the wrong Dakota. So. (laughs) Yep, that's the South. All right, so we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.